Hey everyone, thanks for tuning into the podcast. Now, imagine owning loads of snakes and keeping them as pets in your house. Now imagine that these are seven of the most deadly snakes in the world. Now imagine that you handle these snakes daily with no protection at all. So you're picking up cobras, you're picking up taipans, you're picking up black mambas. My hands are getting sweaty just thinking about it, to be honest. But now imagine that you're encouraging these snakes to bite you, sometimes two at a time. Why, why would anyone ever do that? Ever. It's just absolutely, seems absolutely bonkers. Well, my guest today, Tim Frieda, does all that and more. And he's done this hundreds and hundreds of times to the point where he's developed an immunity He's proven immunity, proven immunity to these deadly, deadly snakes. Sounds totally insane, but wait for it. There is a really altruistic and selfless method behind the madness. There's a noble and benevolent purpose behind what he's doing. He's working on a, on developing a human-based anti-venom. Is it anti-venom or anti-venom? I think they're. T- I think perhaps that's the English and the American anti-venom and anti-venom. But I'll check. I've got to check that. Tim Frieda, anyway, is my guest today from Wisconsin. Uh, he will explain why he gets injected with venom by his taipans, his cobras, his black mambas on the podcast in a second. Check him out on YouTube if you want. Before you, if you, if you're curious about this, watch the videos taipans and, and black mambas, Tim Frieda, and uh, it's really just completely mind blowing stuff. I'm sorry for the quality of this because it's a phone call from from Wisconsin, which I was recording. So um, hopefully I'll be able to make it clean and it will sound good. Anyway, it's a it's a really exciting one. It's a fascinating subject and it's really interesting the the goal that Tim Frieda is working towards. So, ladies and gentlemen, give it up for Tim Frieda. Tim, how are you, sir? It's Ben Kelly here in London. Good morning. Hey, how are you doing, Ben? I'm very good. good in, very good indeed. Thank you. Very good. I hope it's a nice morning there in Wisconsin this morning. No, it's not. It's cold. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, we're used to that here as well. It's not as cold, but uh, uh, you know, it's 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 relatively dreary this time of year here as well. Um, now, I really t- appreciate you taking the time this morning. It's really it's really exciting to uh, to have the opportunity to speak to you. Um, I guess your story is so fascinating in so many different ways. There's so many different facets to it, um, obviously. But the, the thing that people know you for and that, that they're primarily most excited about is the fact that you, you, get, you, you endure venomous snake bites regularly. You're probably the, the only person or, or one of the, the only people ever who's, who's sustained multiple black mamba bites and taipan bites with no medical help. Um, usually, I know that a single mamba bite has the potential to kill... Uh, an elephant. Um, I guess the first question is, what's it like to sustain a bite like that? Uh, um, as far as black mamba goes, uh, well, all mambas, all four of them, <clears throat> from Africa. Um, it, it's painful. You know, it's, uh, it's immediate pain. It's immediate burn. Uh, depending on how many milligrams 
was injected in the bite, which you don't know because you can't measure that. But um, it's 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 painful um, it's because they have so much of it. It's not like a bee sting where they have one or two milligrams of venom. They can have you know three, four hundred milligrams of venom. Um, well. For me, being immune, obviously I don't die. Um, but because it's so much venom, and venom is so inflammatory by nature, mm-hmm. you swell up a lot. So I can have swelling from my fingertips to my neck for two to three days. You know, after that I'm fine. Um, but that particular species with that snake, it's um, I mean, most of mine have been pretty big adults, so it's it's never been a baby one. It's always been eight to ten footers there by me, and it's uh, yeah, it's a lot to take. Well, but it's I don't know. It's kind of, it's kind of gratifying because you're beating death for good reasons. Well, yeah, that's what I wanted to come on to because, as I said, your story is so fascinating because just the fact that you keep venomous snakes as you do, um, you know, is 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 exciting for a lot of people. It's one of these things that the the folklore and everything else around these types of snakes is just it, you know it's just instinctive within us. It's a kind of primal fear, isn't it? Um, so just the fact right. that just the fact that you handle and you own the, and you have them, then you have the angle that you're getting bitten by them on purpose, which is which is just contradiction in terms for or you know just unbelievable to so many people so unfathomable but the cool thing i think about what you're doing the really cool part of your story is that you've got this company uh, mithros bioscience if i if i've got that correct um right. which um has a very noble humanitarian goal so all of this is not just i think some people maybe see your you online or whatever it is and don't get the full story but there's actually a goal to this. So perhaps you could tell us what what the, the that kind of what the story is in terms of Mithras bioscience and what the goal is for this. Well, the, the goal is to make a broad spectrum antivenom based on my IgG antibodies. And about two years ago, when I met Distributed Bio Dr. Glanville, um, he found me online through uh, I think a Barcroft video we did where I took two bites, black type and back to back. And uh, and the reason I did that is to just get my point across that I am immune, number one. Number two, people die from these things, and I got the cure for that, basically, um, in my blood. Hmm. And he followed me through, I think, that video. And uh, that, one of the reasons I got kind of brutal with that is to find people like Jacob or Dr. Hanley or other labs I work with just to prove that I am immune. What can we do with this? And Jake said, hey, um... We can make a human-based antivenom uh, versus uh, equine antivenom horses or other animals and make it more purified um, using the technology of synthetic biology. And what we can do with your antibodies uh, in my RNA, my DNA, to my B cells, to my IgG, subclass 4 antibodies, to clone those and make a really cool product that's going to be better than anything out there. And I'm like, okay, great. It was kind of one of my goals why I did this for the last 19 years is to find somebody like you. It only took me, you know, 5,000 emails. I don't know how many phone calls. And uh, ever since then, it's been, it's, it's moved so fast and so quick. Um, I just came back from San Francisco um, in December of last year to go to the lab, talk to the scientists, talk to the doctors that are there. What's the plan? What are we going to do? And it was really cool to see <clears throat> what they're doing with my blood and how they're extracting my RNA and my DNA and B cells and antibodies and how they're preserving that 
to make a really good product that's going to be better than any product out there because it's human-based antivenom. And with the advent of synthetic biology, they can tweak that and fine-tune that. They're antibody engineers. So they can really delve into that and make changes if they have to. Um, what things do I cross with? What things don't I cross with? And just keep fine-tuning that to make something that's going to be better that's out there. Which, you know, Anivet has been out there for about a hundred years. Uh, and and then something has to change. It, it, it works, obviously. Um, but not in all cases. Um, it's a foreign protein, which causes anaphylactic shock. So we feel that we can make an antivenom that's better than that. It might not cause anaphylactic shock or not as bad as other animals. Um, more compatible, being human. And it, it's, it's been a great ride. And um, it's weird because it's weird getting bit and surviving it. And then it's really weird going into the lab and seeing um, what's produced in me, what I produced from my B cells, which are my antibodies. And you see what they're doing with that. The state of the art lab is just. And that's why I went to San Francisco last year to actually look at what they're doing, and it's it's amazing. I mean, there's a lot more to be done. Don't get me wrong, but we've laid the foundation down in the last two years very strongly. So I'm pretty happy about that. Well, yeah, I mean, it's, it is it is really exciting, I suppose. I guess not understanding it, uh, the, the full um, spectrum of, of how the, the situation works, but I think that, as far as I, I understand it, they use sheep and horse, and they inject um, the venom into these uh, these animals, and then they take the, the antibodies from those uh, in, in some way, and they use that, that's the way they use the antivenom that most people are being treated with these days. But the, but the sheep, that can have an adverse reaction or the horse blood with yep. humans, yep. if I'm not mistaken. Okay. Yeah, because, yeah it's, it's a foreign protein, so your body doesn't recognize that as self or non-self. That's the difference. And uh, am I right in thinking no. also that you, uh, in those situations, they're giving them one type of uh, venom. So, whereas you, I saw online, you were, there's a great video, which anyone who's listening should definitely watch, um, which shows what you, the, 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 the extent that you go through, uh, personally to, you know, make progress with this, uh, great hum humanitarian effort, but you got bit by a Taipan and a black mamba pretty much simultaneously <laughs> within a few seconds, it seemed like anyway. Yeah, yeah. So, oh, so, yeah. so your body is defending against all these different species, Oh yeah, I mean yeah. not every. I mean there's 550 <clears throat> venomous snakes. Um, I have no intention to use all of them. I use the most dangerous ones. Um, I mean I just don't have the space, time, money to have all the snakes I would like to have. So I picked blacks. I picked you know taipan, cobras, water cobra, cape cobra, bottle cobra. Those are all the Got snakes the that air. you're. Sorry, Tim. Am I correct in thinking those ones you just named are the ones banded cobra? Um, crates, you getting bitten by all these? Yeah, I, I do. Uh, I just, I kind of continental, continental wise, I kind of picked the most dangerous snakes, minus Central South America. I've never done anything with that. Um, just never did it. Um, but, you know, I kind of mapped out basically 10 of the most dangerous snakes in the world. 
um, roughly. I've done more, you know, I've done less because things die off, and you know, I don't, I don't redo it. But and, and you know, in that respect, um, I've developed that immunity to a lot of different things. Um, but there's also a lot that I'm not immune to. I mean, there's Russells that I haven't used. There's a soft scales, soft scale Viper that I never used. But some of the lab results have shown because I've done so many different things that are somewhat related. Um, I still have immunity to. Yeah. Obviously, black mamba, the lab results are off the charts. I mean, I'm immune to black, which is going to cross over the other three grains um, easily. And I, I've proven that. I, I've done cranes, went to black, left greens alone for years, stayed on black, went back to greens, and got dead. Nothing. And also, my. My antibodies are going to neutralize and recognize all those little things. So we're trying to figure out right now in the lab what I'm immune to, which we know what I'm immune to, uh, based on all the things that I use, and what do I cross with. And you come to the problem with, okay, I don't cross with certain things. Now what are we going to do? You know, um, if you're bitten by an echis, soft-scale viper, I don't use that. I might cross to it a little bit. Because of rattlesnakes, but not completely. So now we have to make a better product. Maybe you have to start injecting Bacchus. Huh. And even make it a more broad-spectrum antivenom. You know, it's, a, it, it's just steps. Uh-huh. It takes a lot of steps. It's not like there's one venomous snake and one fraction. 550-plus venomous snakes, and each one can have... The black has 60, 70 fractions. By, in by, that one by bite, fraction. When it, like, by fractions, fractions I mean what's in the venom. Okay. All the different types of neurotoxins, uh, hemotoxins, <clears throat> pit vipers, and other snakes, of course. So you're talking hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of fractions that I have to build these antibodies to, millions and millions of antibodies, which have been sequenced already, to go against all these fractions. So that's what makes it so difficult. It's not like I'm just trying to defend one mm-hmm. antigen, like a virus or a particular bacteria. Mm. In this case, it's venom, it's protein. But it's not just one protein. It's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of different types of protein mm. that I have to build an immunity to. Um, otherwise, I'll be dead. You know, but luckily, um, my antibodies recognize all those different fractions. And just like they do in other animals, my theory is if they can make it in mammals, horses, we're mammals, primates. Why can't we make it in ourselves? Hmm. What has been done before in the past. So I'm not the only one to do it, obviously. So Okay, but yeah. this is going to be the most um, comprehensive one by the sounds of it in terms of the funding that you're hopefully going to be getting and the, the um, tests that are be doing and the, uh, the, um, you know, the backing that you're going to have in terms of creating a solution. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's... it's um, uh, we have some pretty powerful backing. Um, yeah, at this point, we're still waiting for grant money to come in. Uh, it takes time. And we couldn't go for the grant money until the lab proved, well, number one, I'm immune. Mm-hmm. Number two, what are you going to do with it? Mm. You know, and then, you, and then you have to put that in a publication, basically, and show the facts and then send out, you know, send out for, for grant money, uh, mm-hmm. which we just did to the National Institute of Health. Mm-hmm. And, um, Hopefully, if that flies, um, 
boy, we can really take it. Mm-hmm. Well, really far. Yeah, I mean, I would have thought as well, just it's so compelling, the whole idea behind it and the, the fact that, you know, you're literally putting your body on the line to to help people. The other angle that's I think is really fascinating here is that something like 100,000 at the top top end of the range fatalities per year due to uh, snake bites, if I'm not mistaken. Um, many of these happening in equatorial, very you know, emerging market, undeveloped market areas where big pharma maybe doesn't really care because there's not the money there. They're not going to be able to sell this. this these vials are, I believe, you know, in the multiple U.S. dollar thousands to get a vial of antivenom in the U.S. Um, whereas when they supply in these places like India where 11,000 people died last year, um, they, they're not going to be able to get that much profit. So I think the idea that you guys are are trying to help people that it seems like big pharma don't care about um, is is a really compelling aspect to the thing as well. Um, because otherwise those no, people... You're, you're, yeah, you're, yeah. yeah you're, you're right. You know, and we don't... Um, our goal is not to really make a ton of money doing this. Um, we want to actually sell a really cheap, great, awesome antivenom. Well, I would have... No, we don't... Yeah. Really, you know, and up to this point, it's yeah, it's horribly expensive. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, if, we, if we can get it out there um, and fill that demand to where big farmers either dropping out of it or mm-hmm. there's crappy antivenom because it's just not made mm-hmm. and processed like we can process it in a lab mm-hmm. uh, with human antibodies. Um, you know, we're looking to sell it cheap to save lives. Mm-hmm. Uh, our goal is really not to make money with it. Our goal is to get a good product out there that people can afford in the old world mainly mm-hmm. and, and make a difference with that you know our, our objective has never been or mine has never been to make any money at all with this obviously money is important mm-hmm. but they don't have a lot of money over there mm-hmm. well hopefully this you know, so is we have, to, yeah. we have to market that mm-hmm. in, in the correct way to the governments the politicians the people over there and the people that are affected uh, by it you know correctly mm-hmm. for the right reasons Mm-hmm. We're not looking to sell a vial of my <clears throat> antibodies for five thousand dollars a vial. No, nobody can afford that. We're not going to save lives doing that. If we sell it for ten bucks and we can save lives, I'd happier do that. And it just makes more sense. Sure. Well, I certainly hope that you do get rewarded <laughs> because of what you've been through. Um, but I know that, you know, it'll be better for someone like you, almost like a craft brewer. It's like, you know, you, you, there is a part of the market for people like you where you can really be effective and help all these poor uh, people who just won't be. And then you recoup that maybe in the developed markets where you, you, you sell it perhaps for, for more. Um, obviously it's a hum- humanitarian goal and, it, and I re- massively, you know, give you guys a lot of kudos for that. And, uh, but I also hope that you, uh, that you get you in order to be successful and put, turn the lights on in your labs, you obviously need to, to do well. So any, anybody who's wanting right. to, to fund this, I hope they're listening and reach out to you guys at Mithros, uh, with, with funding. Um, although it sounds like you're doing great anyway. Um, we're doing great, but we, we need more funding, but that just comes, um, you know, like we just, like I just said, we did the grant proposal to NIH, National Institute of Health, mm-hmm. but that can take up to a year just to get grant money to continue the project. And mm-hmm. that's just one avenue. There's DARPA, you know, there's military avenues and there's a million different types of grants, but nothing happens overnight, unfortunately. But to me, it really doesn't matter because the foundation's already been laid. Mm-hmm. 
completely laid in. I mean, if I die tomorrow, they can still take the research and the work on and see, here's what we've done. It's working. We've cloned your antibodies. We can mass produce it. And that's a, a great start. You know, I mean, it might not be for another 50 years before something changes with the current antivenom that we have, but at least the foundation's laid down mm-hmm. to where you can make a better, cheaper product, and that's what the company's going for. Well, well, yeah, that is incredible, because in a way, that kind of um, <laughs> cements your place in the history of herpetology and toxicology, because I would have thought, you know, in the textbooks 100 years from now, it could well be that they're going, Tim Frieda you know, back in 2015 was the first or one of the only ones to have given his body, you know, to, to, to get this immunity. And as you say, they've cloned it. So that, that's absolutely amazing. Um, I mean, I just, I, I saw, I did a little bit of research in the limited time that I had about, uh, you know, and there was a chart in the Washington Post from an article back in 2015 talking about hospitals marking up the cost of these antivenins, which, as you said, are kind of inferior to what you guys are producing. They mark them up by 70 to 100 percent. Um, so, so, you know, it's, 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 it's a great opportunity for you guys to do, do a great thing, um, based on, you know, what you've done in kind of taking one for the team, as it were, in terms of these, uh, this immunity that you, that, which is amazing. Um, I've taken about 200 for the team. Jeez, that's, that's absolutely (laughs) incredible. Um, it really is. And I mean, the other angle is, I guess for this, which is exciting is, it's almost like um, when you go into unexplored territory, you can like this the space exploration. They come up with different products. Maybe this could be something that could help with blood clotting, anticoagulants. You know, the fact that your body is able to deal with this. There could be who knows once they get in the lab and start looking at, into it, what other type of medical uh, you know uh, products they could they could potentially come up with. I guess. Yeah, I mean, this this guy is sort of limited. Um, I don't focus too much on the medicinal aspects of it as far as cancer, multiple sclerosis, you name it. Um, my job's the vaccine, the antivenom, and I focus on that. If other aspects um, come from that, that's fantastic. I'm not going to you know, bitch about that one bit. Like this- They're doing great stuff in labs with you know a lot of different fractions with you know painkillers and you know cancer, this and that. Um, but, you know, our, 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 my mission mainly was to do what we're doing now. Mm-hmm. I mean, what's the point of just getting bit? You know, I, there's a big point to it, but it's like, where am I going to take it at that mm-hmm. next level? What am I going to do? I mean, how can I save somebody else's life that I, I'm 8,000 miles away from I can't talk to, don't know their language? Mm-hmm. You know, I live in a frozen state, mm-hmm. <laughs> middle of nowhere. Mm-hmm. Uh but it, it worked out. It worked out tremendously well. Yeah, I it, never would have thought that I'd ab- absolutely see um, where it's gotten this far. So, well, yeah, it's, it's a, crazy. It's, nuts. it's great that you're getting that you're getting traction and that you are getting those. I guess, as you say, you got to get right. those peer-reviewed studies out there, and yeah. it sounds like that's happening. So, oh yeah. Um, but how yeah, you... it's uh, sorry, go ahead. So sorry, go ahead. You go ahead. I forgot what I was going to say. Okay, I was just going to say, you know, how did you first... Well, it boggles the mind for most of us that, you know, people have nightmares about any non-venomous snakes, never mind black mammas, cobras, rattlesnakes. How, <laughs> how did you first get bite, you know, have a, have that initial bite? How did you first get into this? Did you did you have this, this um, 
idea of letting the snake bite you, or did it bite you by mistake, or how did it start off? Well, I started out, um, well, after I got married, <clears throat> what was I, 28-ish, and um, I was milking uh, spider centipede scorpions, um, built a 12-volt electric stimulator to do it, to milk it for, I don't know, just for the fun of it. <laughs> Maybe we didn't get into it for, you know, I could sell the venom and mm. make a little hobby job out of it. And then I did that for a little bit, not too long, and then I got some venomous snakes, <clears throat> mainly one a cobra, and I'm like, I knew about Bill Host, went down to Punta Gorda in 1999 to meet him because he was immune. I had no idea at that point. But sorry, could, sorry to interrupt, but could you explain who he is for, for people who are listening? Bill Bill Haas? Yes, uh, he's Miami Serpentarium uh, director. Um, pioneered milking snakes. Okay. Um, completely pioneered what I do. Complete pioneer of what I do as far as self immunization goes. Um, started started injecting venom back in oh I think it was nineteen forty eight with Cape Cobra venom, and built his way up to about thirty two different types of venom and. I mean, his objective was never what I was looking at. He was trying to do the polio, multiple sclerosis thing, and trying to do different avenues, which is fine. Um, I, I took a different path with it, but he pretty much gave me the inspiration to, okay, it works, grab that needle, try it. So when I went down there and met him, I didn't get any information, no fault of his, because he didn't want to you know, hurt somebody or reveal anything that might get somebody injured which I follow the same protocol. And then um, went down, met him, got his book, read that, waited about a year. And I'm like, all right, well, I have this Cobra. <laughs> At that point, Cobras, a couple of them. And I'm like, all right, I don't want to die if I get bit. Uh, or use the antivenom, go to the hospital, miss a finger, miss work, miss everything. Miss work, what happened? I got bit by a Cobra. Yeah. Yeah, which I've done so many times now, it's not even funny, it's hilarious. Uh, oh, my word. Um, yeah, at that point, I'm like, well, it was basically curiosity. Can I beat the bite? And how do I do it? And there was no book on it. So I started to make a lot of notes, injected it down, you know, diluted it down before injections. Obviously, you don't want to do pure venom at that point mm-hmm. I do pure venom now because I'm immune but at that point when you're not immune you can't do pure venom you have to dilute it down and let your body build up let your you know B cells build your antibodies and recognize that for an antigen and become immune and that takes time um, so I went through a lot of years of failure with it basically because uh, I didn't know what I was doing there's no book on it I was a guy with a needle in my tiny little lab in a house you know and and after the first bite, it was like, all right, either this is going to work or it's not going to work. I didn't know. You know, and there were times it didn't work. There's times I was flatlined, ended up in the hospital. Um, I'm doing experiments to where I didn't have my head around it. Mm-hmm. And after about two years of failing, <clears throat> good solid year of failing, relatively too, I decided that, all right, I got to get, my wife said at the time, my ex-wife said, you have to get better at this request because it's not working real good. Hmm. And then it wasn't working real good. I didn't know what I was doing. You know, I was scared to death. 
you never know if it's going to be your last injection, your last bite. You just don't know. So I just really started taking really good notes, talking to doctors, and you know, it became a lifestyle. It really did. I mean, not I was making money at it per se, but I was 100% focused on beating those cobras or getting the black and beating that or getting the western diamond eggs and beating that or getting Mojave and beating that or, you know, uh, Titan getting that and beating that and taking very, very good Darwinian notes. I have a lot of notes. Darwin took a lot of notes in his time and I've taken a lot of notes slash pictures in my time. And I can look back on those notes and reference now um, the windows that I have to hit with injections or bites. And you have to be careful with that. I did an experiment last year um, before we filmed for Outside Magazine. Um, I didn't do water cobra. A highly, highly venomous snake from Africa. Indigenous to Africa. Um, Normally you should shoot up every two to three months. Some people say a couple weeks. I can go a couple months. I waited 11 months, almost a year before we shot because they wanted to see me either get bit or inject a lethal dose. So I waited 11 months, and after 11 months, your immunity can drop. Those those good antibodies are called tighter levels. They fluctuate. They go up and down, up and down, up and down. So I'm like, oh, man, after 11 months, there's no antivenom for it. Easily the most venomous cobra on the planet. Um... And I milked it and did a lethal dose. Jeez. Nothing. So, you know, my theory was, can we take one shot a year and survive instead of shooting up every week, two weeks, three weeks, a month? Hmm. Hell yeah, we hell yeah, we can. That, that proved it. I've done that with Mambas, too. Now, granted, that's just one snake. But if you can walk into a clinic and take one shot of whatever snake that's dangerous in your area... I mean, you don't do water cobra if you're in Australia mm-hmm. or Taipan if you're in Africa. It makes no sense. So whatever snake that's in your continent or in your area, if you could take one shot a year, mm. granted it was a lethal dose, pure venom, become immune to it. Well, that's better than dying. But Tim, am I right in thinking you're saying if you took one shot, um, say you're a, a farmer in India and you took... And there, there were uh, Russell's Viper. Sorry if I'm wrong on the location for that. If you took a injection for that um, once a year, you, do you think one you'd have to go and have that every year what, to re, re, reload it, wouldn't you? Oh yeah, yeah. Okay, but and how any, sick? Any, any, sorry, go ahead. You would get very sick though, wouldn't you? That I mean, as you say, that would be basically a potentially lethal dose for a normal person. No, you don't really. Well, as soon as you get up, uh, your immunity up to, my, like, my maintenance doses are lethal injections. But I diluted that down. Um, you really don't get sick. Hmm. You're just going to swell up, um, depending on the venom. Every venom swells differently. Every venom fraction is different. Um, you know, mambas are different than Western Vitamax. Mm-hmm. But if you go in there and you take that shot, even if it's twice a year, and I'm just saying, personally, what I've done and not died from it. Um, how how great of an insurance policy is that? I mean, yeah. you don't die. You can go back out and farm, play with your kids, not lose an arm, not lose finger. 
So are you suggesting maybe that is a good way for people to tackle the problem in some of these equatorial places? Absolutely. Okay. I mean, the cure, the cure is right outside their door. So when they walk out that door and there's that snake and that venom, that's the cure. Mm-hmm. That's the same thing I have, or, or did. Mm-hmm. I open up the cage, I milk it. I take the venom protein, inject it through protein, the matrix of my skin to create protein. Mm-hmm. The same thing they do with the horses. Um, and, and I don't understand why people can't comprehend that because, well, there's not a lot of people, humans, that have done it. And, and so, you know, that's going to be the start of a lot of different things as far as the way they change anti-venom. I, there should be three things in the shelf. <clears throat> Number one, what I do, I have that venom there, whether it be freeze-dried, fresh, frozen, even a toxoid, even a fraction, doesn't matter. Have that in the shelf and inject people. Build up slowly, obviously. You don't want to do a lethal dose off of that. And that's your protection. Let's say that doesn't work. Number two, human-based antivenom <clears throat> on the shelf. A better antivenom that, that's out there right now. Number three, have the current antivenom as another backup. What was the number three? Sorry, Tim, could you repeat that? Number three being um, the antivenom that's out there right now. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. With with horses and other animals. Mm -hmm. So on your shelf, you have three things. The first thing on your shelf, you're not going to need the second one. Mm -hmm. If you do need the second one, the second one's going to be better than the third one. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And that's going to read, it's going to dramatically change everything. Instead of having, like we have right now, we have one product in the shelf. Your current antivenom. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Okay, yeah, it's great. It helps, but it, it, why isn't there a better product? Or, or why do we need antivenom in the first place uh-huh. when we can make people immune to the venom? Uh-huh. Which is easier said than done because you have refrigeration problems in the old world. There's a lot of people that hate needles in the old world. There's uh-huh. a lot of people in the old world that are just superstitious. Uh-huh don't understand immunity, how it works. And the process to get to the point of being in the bike takes a lot of effort. Mm-hmm. And no fault of their own, they're just not educated on it. Yeah. Nor the doctors that treat it. It's just the way it is over there. Right? Sure. You know, there's not much you can do about it until um, y- you prove it. Well, yeah, I guess now that you mention it, I mean, initially that's kind of anathema for most people. Is like the idea of injecting snake venom is just people run a mile. But when you think about it, it's not that dissimilar to a vaccine like mumps, measles, MMR. You know, they take a weakened version of the well, yeah. the uh, yep. the virus or whatever. So, okay. And, and even a better way of putting it is VIT, venom immunotherapy, mm-hmm. which they use in insects. Um to do the same, they do the same thing I do because they're allergic. Mm-hmm. So they'll, they'll take a fire ant or a wasp or a hornet or a bee or you name it, and they inject that venom. That's exactly what I do with ophidians, snakes. And some of the fractions in those insect venoms are identical to the ones that I use. Um, now, they're, they're not trying to get immune to it like I am. They're trying to not die from anaphylactic shock. And what happens is you build up the good antibodies, IgG. That's what saves me. And you do that to block the bad ones, which are IgE. Those are the ones that release histamine 
and cause major problems. And your good antibodies block all that. And that's the way they do that. But I do that too. Okay. And millions and millions, millions and millions of people use VIT. Mm-hmm. And it works, I think it's 99% effective less than I read with it, mm-hmm. um, by countering anaphylactic shock. But I do it too, but I'm also immune and at the same time countering anaphylactic shock. Hmm. And is that cause, because, I, as far as I'm, I, I think I read that you have allergies as well. Yeah. I'm allergic and immune at the same time. Wow. Okay. For those exact reasons. Because well, I have so many antibodies in my system that recognize not just the venom, but they block the IgE antibodies from binding to um, mast cells, base cells, to release chemicals like histamine to cause anaphylactic shock. Okay. Which I've had roughly, I don't know, seven or eight times, which can kill you faster than venom can kill you. It sucks. I see. Okay. Very, very wicked. So, yeah, it, it's it's a huge course in immunology as far as immunity mm. and, and what we can do with it. I mean, it, it, I hope it just doesn't change herpetology. I hope it can change a little bit of immunology as well. Well, yeah, I was going to say that sounds like maybe there could be some avenues they could pursue on that side as well if there's kind of that overlap. Uh, I mean, do you get sick less? Do you find you're not getting colds and things, or is it the same in terms of those kind of viruses? No, I still get sick. Um, you know, some people claim it's the cure-all for everything. Well, I'm a one-case study, so I'm saying not really, because mm-hmm. I've had the flu. Mm-hmm. Um, I've had really crappy days. I still get stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's not the cure-all to everything. I'm not saying it doesn't help my immune system. Obviously, it does, because I'm using it. Um, oh. But to what extent is it going to blow off the flu, um, mm. you know, a mutating virus that let's inject in snake venom going to do for that. It, it, it's not because I've gotten the flu. You know, it's not going to cure certain things, I don't think. I, I'm, I'm basically doing a very simple thing, you know, to create, you know, immunity to something. Um, it's, but, you know, at 51 years old, you know, hmm. yeah, my back hurts, my knees hurt, but that's just from working. Oh, you're, 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 you're 51, did you say? 51. Wow, okay. All right, you're looking good for it anyway. Maybe I need some of that snake. <laughs> snake <laughs> I don't know. Maybe something is working then, I don't know. <laughs> Great, okay. Um, and, and what about, other, what about, if not physically, what about um, psychologically? The fact that you dice with death and you've done it so many hundreds of times, does that affect your outlook on life does do you what scares you if you've been bitten by a taipan and then by a black mamba and then you walk out and someone someone starts having a go at you what you know what phases you now does anything good question actually because um the psychology behind it is the hardest part behind it um especially like what you just said with the two bites you it's a mind trip. It really is. I mean, physically it's tough because it swells you up and, but you realize what you just did and you're like, all right, you should be dead, but you know, by now by these things and you learn to control that and you can only control that through saddle time. And that's by doing it a lot. 
And one of the reasons I got or haven't bitten so many times is by practicing doing it. You know, and it sounds weird, but you're not going to get bit by a taipan or a black mob, but just out of the blue, it takes a lot of training, a lot of time, a lot of thinking. And your mind goes through just a lot of thoughts. You're going to die. There's no antivenom for it. How am I going to get to the hospital? Because I don't work with any doctors personally when I do it. Hmm. Gosh. Okay. So, so yeah, you must have a very... I work, look, yeah, you have to be very confident. Yeah. Um, you know, I always correlate it to uh, my favorite climber, Alex Honnold, who climbs skyscrapers and mountains and, with no ropes. Yeah. And I don't have any ropes. That's kind of the same analogy. I don't have any doctors next to me. I work with doctors, but they're not like here when I do it. I just have to be that confident on my own know that that bite or injection is going to be fine and that's why I take so many notes and that's why I go through my notes and that's why I look at them and say okay here's what I can do here's what I can't do can I do a bite can I do two bites you know and and the only reason I do it well I do that to prove it to kind of shock people a little bit at work because there's a lot of doctors on board with it now mainly the ones we've discussed at Distributed Bio. And I feel that if I didn't do that and didn't prove it, what's going to be done with it? Who wants to see a guy glute venom down and inject it? So you mean you're... Also, the shock, yeah. the shock value behind it really grabbed the minds of a lot of scientists to look at it mm. and, and do something with it. Mm. Well, yeah, I mean, that comes back to how compelling the story is and the fact that you have this humanitarian goal as well, on top of all the sensationalist aspects and the kind of primal fear that people have about these dangerous snakes, all, everything all rolled, in, rolled together means, I feel like if you start getting those peer, and it sounds like you're doing it once you get these peer-reviewed studies back and you make progress in the lab, that it's hopefully going to snowball for you guys. Um, how many years away would you do you think we are f now from a Tim Frieda human antivenom. Are you doing sort of clinical trials and things yet, or is that... Something? At this point, we feel we're maybe two to three years out with the product out there, mm -hmm. because we have to do more uh, lab work. Um, uh, last time I talked to um, Jacob, everything's on hold until uh, we can get more grant money, because we put a lot of money into this. Mm -hmm. I haven't personally, but the lab has. Mm -hmm. The lab's funded quite a bit of what you've read on the website, all of it. Well, I think you're. Pa take it to the yeah. I was going to say, sorry, dude, I was going to say, I think you're doing your part. I don't think you have to worry too much, you know. No, my part's actually done, which is unfortunate because um, without it, I wouldn't know what to do. It's my entire life, mm -hmm. you know. So it's kind of bittersweet. It's kind of nice to see the end goal a little bit. It's like if it happens now, what am I going to do? Well, can they then, once they get the this, um, can, and you said they clone the antibodies, um, can, will they need you to keep getting tagged by different species? Well, what, what I'd have to do is, um, things I'm not immune to, to build a better product, depending on what content we're talking mm -hmm. about, um, I'd have to use that venom <clears throat> to go through what I've gone through, um, mm -hmm. to build those antibodies so they can do what they've done in a lab already with what I have used. Mm-hmm. Uh, right now, we just want to see what, what I'm neutralizing, how the process is working, um, kind of get a, a baseline, 
Um, obviously, mambas, playpens, rattlesnakes recovering <clears throat> various continents. And let's see what we can neutralize. Mm-hmm. And then let's pick the ones that we're not neutralizing and figure out how to do that. But we want to see what I cross with because I, I might cross the stuff that I don't have to use. Sure. Maybe I can cross with neuro, neurotoxins that I've never used because I've used so many different types of neurotoxins. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know we're coming up a little bit on time now, so I just wanted to get some details now from you. If people want to help you with funding, if people want to um, check out the website, where can they, what's the best way for people to, to help you out or get in touch if they want to help out with the project? Uh, uh, Mithrosbio.com Mithrosbio.com, okay. Yeah, and that's that's where the funding goes. It doesn't go to me. Um, I don't see any of that. It goes right to the company. Great. To build a product. I don't have any attorneys. I have no agents. I have an agreement with the company that, okay, I put my life in a line. I gave you my blood. You're making a product. We're, we're really making great progress. And I would prefer the money just to go to them to make a better product. And it, that's where everything gets filtered through directly. Okay, interesting. Well, look, I mean, I think you deserve every benefit that you possibly can get from this, and I, I'm sure that the, the guys at the company in the lab know that as well. It's, it seems like a very honorable and, and selfless thing, thing that you, you've been doing over these years. Um, and the volunteering and sort of having the expertise with snakes like that is hopefully paving the way for a solution for tens of thousands of people who otherwise it sounds like wouldn't have access to a solution just based on the business case that they're, they're, they're these kind right. of, pre, you know, people who can't afford to, to pay big farmers. So there's kind of that gap. So awesome job. Uh, good luck with everything. I hope it, I really appreciate you taking the time today. It's been really fascinating. Thank you so much. And I hope that, uh, you know, can, things continue to snowball for you and uh, you go from strength to strength with this. Awesome. I appreciate it. Thanks for putting me on. I appreciate it. Cool, guys. Thanks so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed that. I certainly did. Thanks very much to Tim Frieda. Um, if you guys like the podcast, please leave a review or um, send me a line at bennettsystemisrigged.com. Thanks a lot. Have a great day.